0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. This is the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. It's the Wednesday edition covering all things Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, We got a lot to talk about today. We're actually going to kind of lay out what we think the 53-man roster is going to look like. The cutdowns are happening on Saturday, uh, and we just thought we'd kind of, you know, take a stab at it here, and here to help me take a stab at it are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina,
0: wearing sleeves today,
1: in an upset, Maddie Lane. What's good?
0: That's right, uh, Craig, I know Kent now owes you $10, and you can just slide me five of that under the table, we'll be good, the sleeves are in fact on today, no, <laughs> I'm doing good, we're uh, we're midweek now, we are we are narrowing it down, we are single digit days until the the real sport of the world begins, football starts very soon, I am ready for it, I know everybody else is, Craig, buddy, renaissance man, how are you doing this evening?
2: I'm doing very well, but I, I guys, I'm... My my wedding ring doesn't fit on my middle finger <laughs> like Frank Clark and Eric Fisher's does. I'm I'm a little jealous right now. We got to sing the ring, rings tonight. They look great. The players seem to be enjoying them. But yeah, that's a everybody go find pictures. They're they're wonderful.
1: Travis Kelsey about killed Clark Hunt. That's true. I don't know if you guys saw that. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, the ring is beautiful and then they played a little video a little run it back video at the end that got me all kinds of hyped i'm so ready for this season i'm so ready for the kansas city chiefs to extend the 51 to 7 run that they're on on the houston texans they're going i they're going to humiliate them on thursday night you know what i'm going to start predicting the game 8 days early if i'm not careful we got we don't even know who's gonna be on the roster yet but we're oh, I give, know well go, Maddie knows we're gonna go <laughs> position by position we're gonna give you a number of of the uh at each position like how many we think are gonna go at each position uh and then there's some d- discussions debates about some of those spots uh but we're gonna start with this uh I think we're all in agreement
0: they have to go with two quarterbacks here right Maddie? It makes the most sense to me. I've never understood the concept of the three quarterbacks for any team to keep, but Andy Reid has liked to do it as of late. I think this year with COVID going around, I think keeping somebody potentially away from the team just in case there's an outbreak that hits multiple quarterbacks, it makes the most sense. You can keep anyone protected on your practice squad this year, so veterans are allowed. Keeping two quarterbacks game-ready on the active roster just It makes the most sense to me in terms of making sure the team can be the most prepared. And on top of that, I get it. If you could have injuries to multiple quarterbacks in one game, but at that point in time, are you really still expecting to win if you've lost two quarterbacks already? Just put in Travis Kelsey as your emergency quarterback and lose that game. If you're not already up big, because that's what's probably happening regardless.
1: The important thing to remember here, uh, we kind of, Workshopped it while we were recording a couple weeks ago. Matt Moore is eligible for the practice squad. The Chiefs could cut him and then put him on the practice squad. Uh, I, I don't know if he just has to accept that assignment, uh, but they could put Matt Moore on there and protect him. Have their third quarterback, their emergency quarterback, kind of under control, under club control, and they can be, they they can protect him too. There's, he's one of the four guys they can protect as well. So that's where I think it's going to wind up going. I think they're keeping two. Um, I finally came around because I, I was full-on thinking that they were going to keep three because of COVID. But the you know rules have changed a little bit here. We have decided on four running backs and Anthony Sherman. So five running backs in total. Who are the four, Craig?
2: I think the four are pretty self-explanatory now that Damian Williams has opted out. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Darwin Thompson, Darrell Williams, and DeAndre Washington are pretty much locks all to make the roster here. Most of those guys play special teams. They Andy Reid has liked to have this four running back rotation, and it's a lot of guys that have been around and a lot of guys that are comfortable along with, you know, basically Clyde edwards hilaire who's going to get the major bulk of the snaps. I think this one's just pretty easy as far as a position group goes.
0: It is kind of hard for me to get a read on the room without preseason games, and I think preseason games for running backs are one of the worst ways to judge them because your third, fourth, fifth string running backs always look good in the preseason once you get to that point. But not getting to see DeAndre Washington compete against Elijah McGuire as kind of being that fourth running back spot, we're just kind of shooting in the dark here because we haven't been able to see camp every single day. I think when that's the case, when the coaches don't get to have the preseason games to help them from their perspective, I do think that you just kind of have to go with a guy that's got a little bit more NFL experience and has experience playing with Patrick Mahomes. So DeAndre Washington takes that fourth spot for me, would be the same exact, my rationale of why I would have the same four as Craig does.
1: Yeah, it's Clyde in the three D's. That's the the running back room there. Um, I think Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson have shown the ability to play special teams. So that's part of that. Uh, both of those guys uh, you could see on on, uh, on Dave Tobe's unit. Wide receiver. We're going with six. Uh, I believe last year they started the season with five, but I think there's some locks here. Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson. I'm locking Byron Pringle in. I just don't see any scenario where Byron Pringle... Byron Pringle is better than all of the guys that we're about to talk here for the sixth receiver. Garrick Dieter, Marcus Kemp, or
0: Jody Forsen, who you got, Maddie? I mean, I don't I don't think Byron Pringle belongs anywhere close to those guys in this conversation. He's clearly the fifth wide receiver in terms of playing wide receiver. He is clearly the next best wide receiver, and he's proven to be as good as any of them on special teams. Like, he is safe. If the, I will be completely shocked if Byron Pringle does not make this team, even if they only keep five wide receivers. It would be mind-boggling to me. So I feel good about that one. Out of those three, I think Marcus Kemp, just because I do know Dave Tobe loves him, but I'm, I'm going with a wild card off the list. I think Justice Shelton Mosley is your sixth receiver, and I think it's just to be a returner. I think it is the DeAnthony Thomas role. I think the Chiefs start the year trying to get McCall Hardman more involved with the offense, which means they don't want him returning as many kicks. I think you need to have another returner out there. As long as you have faith that Shelton Mosley can run down the field occasionally as a backup gunner or a vice... He can be the guy that can play the DeAnthony Thomas role. Do you think real quick? Do you think Justice
1: Shelton Mosley's a four core special teamer? I think he's a two core returner.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he, no, I don't know if he's a four core special teamer, but he plays. He is a returner for both punts and kicks, and it allows you to keep McCole Hardman. If you really want McCole Hardman to push for the third wide receiver spot, I think you can't have him being your your main returner on both punts and kicks. Unless somebody else is getting that job, which we've seen DeMarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle do it in preseason games in the past. I do think that he has a good chance to make the team.
2: I was going to say the exact same thing, but I will go a little bit different here. I think it's Marcus Kemp, and it's only for special teams. Garrick Dieter is a fine special teamer as well. Jody Fortin is not a special teamer. Based on some of the decisions that we have coming up here, the Chiefs are going to need to fill out their special team squad a little bit more. Dave Tobe gets decisions. Dave Tobe's going to keep one of his guys here. That's kind of why I was predicting Justice Shelton Mosley, a guy that I think Tobe likes. But he also really likes Marcus Kemp. I think Marcus Kemp plays in a lot of spots, can play those gunner and vice roles. I think he's important to Dave Tobe. So because of that, if I had to pick between those three, it's Marcus Kemp.
1: You got to follow the money. And by the money, I mean the special team snaps on the broadcast on YouTube of the only practice that we all saw. And in that situation, Jody Fortson was nowhere, near, nowhere to be seen. I know this is going to upset Chiefs fans. Some Chiefs fans. I don't think Jody Fortson's making the roster either. I'm going with Marcus Kemp, the special team stud that is beloved by several within the organization. They see him as a core special teams guy. I think that's the move. I honestly think, you know, Justice Shelton Mosley makes sense if they take a seventh receiver. The only way they can take a seventh receiver is is if they only take two tight ends. We have all come to the split hung jury agreement that the Chiefs are going to keep three tight ends this year, even though it's going to be one of a Dion Yelder who hasn't practiced all year, or Ricky Seals-Jones who looked stiffer than, I don't know, sniff, stiffer than Duke Ejiofor. The edge out of Wake Forest a couple of years ago. I'm just just a stiff human being for hopefully being an athletic tight end. I don't know why we're we're having to pick between Ricky Seals-Jones and Dion Yelder for the third tight end spot, but that's where we're at right now. We're picking a third tight end. I think you've got to go with Dion Yelder as your third tight end with, behind Nick Kaiser and Travis Kelsey because Dion Yelder has special teams experience, and I don't think Ricky Seals-Jones showed near enough on special teams from what
0: I saw. Jalen Ferguson was right there for the grasp kit, and you went with Duke-Ageo for like You went with the guy that only the deepest of KC draft guide purchasers and followers will even know, because he was like a fifth-round pick, and Jalen- was right there! (laughs) But, um, yeah, Andy Reid keeps three tight ends. Like, I know there was a stint of time in 2018. They only had- Alex Ellis for two games at the start of the year. Then they brought in Dion Yelder at the end of the year for three games. So they flanked both the beginning and the end of the year with three tight ends. In the middle, they only had two. But that was when you had Demetrius Harris, who is a fantastic tight end too that doesn't have to be replaced in any way, shape, or form. They don't have that right now. Besides that one chunk of time, those 11 games out of Andy Reid's entire Chiefs career, they have had three tight ends. It would be, again shocking to see them only go with two. On top of that, Deion Yelder does play special teams. He played a little bit last year. He knows the offense. He's been useful on special teams. I think he is the easy heads up or heads over Ricky Seals Jones Jr., who isn't an athletic tight end based on the numbers or what we've seen on him on the field. And he can't really block, so I don't know where you put him on special teams.
2: I just want to tag this real quick here because I agree with these guys. Ricky Seals Jones did media today. He had a presser, this week, leading up to cutdown day, talking about what he's going to do this year, his progression, learning under Travis Kelsey. It's very interesting that Ricky Seals Jones got some pub today, and Dion Yelder has been hurt for most of camp. It's Let a flex on for this. his next team. Yeah.
1: I just, if they keep Ricky Seals-Jones... I'm just saying over they put him out there today. Dudes.
0: Okay, Well, one, I've been big on Dion Yelder making the team. I pushed the Nick Kaiser being the second tight end for a couple weeks now. I have not been a huge fan or supporter of RSJ. I will say this, though. If Nick Kaiser's your tight end to for sure. If he's locked in as your tight end two at this point in time, I think he is. If you lose Travis Kelsey... I don't know if Ricky Seals Jones Jr. isn't the best option to take over the split like split out reps or the Y-ISO reps. I don't know if he's not the best option for that. I don't think he's a good option for it. I just don't know if he's not the best out of this group. That being said, Yelder's just better at everything else besides maybe getting off the line of scrimmage when split out wide. Just getting off the line of scrimmage. He's a better athlete, better blocker, just as good a receiver. Like, and I don't know the rationale there.
1: Very very important question, Maddie. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones is a junior. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think you added a junior to his name. I was like, uh, it hey?
0: sounds like there should be a junior at the end of his name. I was like, you thinking Roy Jones Junior? Um, no, no, no. Entirely, entirely different sport. Yeah.
2: You're, are you thinking Stanley Thomas Oliver the third?
0: <laughs> um no, no i don't think so maybe maybe i'm thinking of like sir king ricky the eighth is that one perfect of the-
1: <laughs> i don't think there's any juniors on the offensive line either and we are projecting nine i think there's very obvious ones eric fisher caliccio Osemeli, austin Ryder, andrew wiley mitchell schwartz that's probably your starters right now uh mike remmers pretty pretty significant lock Jackson Barton, I think he or Greg Sned, I think makes it. Martinez Rankin. Important note on Martinez Rankin: If the Chiefs want him to be on, be available at any point during the season, he has to be on the 53-man roster at cutdown day. Then they can put him on IR. If they do that, he can come back after eight weeks. I don't know what's going to happen with his situation entirely. That's just something to put up, to to keep note of. But here's the question. Nick Allegretti was drafted last year by this football team, but they just brought in Daniel Kilgore, a veteran center with starts under his belt, and I believe 13 starts or something close to that under his belt last year. Is Nick Allegretti safe, or is this Daniel Kilgore's job now, Craig?
2: I don't think they bring in Daniel Kilgore. We know that he hasn't practiced with the team yet. The report was today. He was just kind of holding his helmet off to the side. They're not bringing in a guy like that just for camp reps or random practice reps. I think that spells something serious for Nick Allegretti. We know that Darryl Williams, a guy that they liked and they brought in as a UDFA, is mostly playing guard right now. He's getting a lot of guard reps. That's what we saw on Saturday. I think that maybe Nick Allegretti is a little bit on the chopping block with Daniel Kilgore there. That's something that's one of the major questions. Who's going to be that backup center for Austin Ryder? And right now, I don't think Allegretti is the safe option.
0: I think the biggest concern just has to be, I know Austin Ryder has been dealing with a little bit of a knee injury, so that probably forced Nick Allegretti into some more starter reps, the ones. Maybe it didn't go great. Maybe it was okay. And they just don't feel super comfortable having a guy with no starts under his belt snapping the football to Patrick Mahomes when that is essentially the majority of your offense. And they wanted to get a guy that has games under his belt. That's the big thing to me. I think they want a guy that has veteran experience to play on the interior of the offensive line. Mike Rimmers is the only guy, I think, in this backup that's really got a lot of experience going on. And if he's going to be used at tackle or guard, you still need someone at center. Kilgore makes a lot of sense for that backup center role. I could see Nick Allegretti, you know, he
1: does have a little bit of inside versatility. Maybe they keep him instead of a guy like Jackson Barton, but I anticipate they're keeping another tackle. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back to talk about the defensive side of the 53-man roster right after this. We have broken down the offensive side of the football with our 53-man projections. And we are going to continue and finish the show with the defensive side of the ball. And we'll start with the edge position. And we have six making it. There's just a lot of guys to choose from. I think the locks are Frank Clark, Tano Passanio, Alex Okafor, and rookie Mike Dana. That leaves Breland Speaks, Taco Charlton, Damoni Harris, and Tim Ward available for two so i guess my question to you maddie who are
0: those two this becomes the tricky part this defensive end group is pretty good like i think Tano pastor needs to take a big step to be the starter that you need across from frank clark but the depth of everybody else behind that is all guys that i think is pretty solid i don't know what to expect from mike danda this year but i agree they're all safe there And if I'm picking two out of those last guys to round it out, I mean, Breland Speaks, I do think is safe. He looks the part right now. He would have to be really bad in practice in terms of his performance to erase the hard work he's put in this offseason, I think, to lose his final chance, I think, to make real waves. As then it becomes Taco Charlton to Harris or Tim Ward for the final spot. I think you can stash Tim Ward another year. There is zero NFL film on him. No chance that a team should be jumping all over him at this point in time. Taco Charlton's upside is just a little bit higher than Damoni Harris. So if I'm taking a guy that's not going to be on the field a ton right now, give me the guy with a little bit more upside, the ability to kick inside a little bit more often in Taco Charlton.
2: Yeah, and Steve Spagnuolo actually talked about Taco Charlton this week, said that they have have plans on him being a three-down player as he grows into it, that he's been good with Frank, and they put Taco Charlton, Charlton out to talk to the media as well. He talked about, you know, learning the defense, everything like that, and how he's ready to go, how he's ready to show everything. Again, could be a situation where they're just trying to showcase him a little bit before, you know, they cut him or something like that. But I think it speaks to that kind of final spot there in the defensive end room that they're willing to put him out there. They're not putting Tim Ward or Damoni Harris out there. And I think that Breland Speaks is pretty comfortably on that roster simply because he's under club
1: control for another year. Watching Tim Ward go out and get his ring. The man looks great. Oh, he's huge. He looks, he looks fantastic. So much bigger. So I, 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 I do think they're going to be able to stash him another year. They put a little, they put a little effort and energy into him, but I do think they're ultimately going to be able to stash him for another season. Um, I think Breland speaks as a lock personally, uh, which is surprising for me to say. Uh, I think he's coming. He's done what he needs to do. I don't think this organization is going to give up on him, especially since he's under club control for another year. Where it gets interesting is the Taco Charlton versus Demony Harris argument. I do agree. I think there is some positive buzz here for Taco Charlton the last 24 hours that give him the edge for me. Because if you'd asked me 24 hours ago, I would have picked Demony Harris. But I am looking a little bit into the fact that he just did a media availability. SPACs has some comments on him recently. I think there is some value to that. The reason I would say Damone Harris is close is because he played meaningful snaps last year for this football team. He did an adequate job. He did a very fine NFL backup quality job. And the Chiefs have him under club control for next year, and they need those kind of guys because they don't have very many defensive ends under club control. It's Frank Clark. It's 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 Speaks and it's Mike Dana. All right, defensive line, Mike Pinnell suspended. We're going with Chris Jones, Derek Nottie, Colin Saunders, and Tershawn Wharton. And TerShawn Wharton, completely based off the James Palmer report this week, I am very surprised, Maddie, that TerShawn Wharton is a guy that we are talking about right now as making this football team pretty confidently. Uh, what like, I just want—I know you were the primary grader on him for the KC Draft Guide. I believe we put as a team an undrafted grade, undraftable grade on him. I want to know just what your thoughts on him coming out
0: were. Going back to Tershawn Wharton real quick, I don't know if we said it on our podcast on Saturday after the practice, but we definitely noted it when we were watching it and our friend Chief Bearcat was was, was with us. He was getting almost all of kind of the second-team defensive tackle reps, whether it was with Pennell or Colin Saunders. So he was on the field with the second-team defense, second-team defensive line consistently. So we kind of had an extra hint or a little early hint that this was happening before the Palmer tweet. And then I think the James Palmer tweet just kind of drove it all home. As far as in college, I be, I'm going to be honest. We had an undrafted grade on him. I was the one that I think got eyes on him for the most part, and I did not love his college film. He was a better athlete than the guys he played against, but I didn't think he was a great athlete. He's put on a ton of weight since then, so I think that helps him. He played somewhere between 250 and 280 as his final season and again that he was a better athlete than the guys he played against i mean his best highlight was chasing down a running back 60 70 yards downfield and tackling him from behind but there wasn't pass rush moves there wasn't any great leverage like there just wasn't a lot of technique so I had to have an undrafted free agent grade on him. That's where the Chiefs got him. And this is good news. He's packed on some weight and it looks like good weight. He's apparently showing well in camp to pass over some guys like Braxton Hoyett to be at this point on the roster. So don't be surprised when he's the fourth guy for the two games that Mike Pinnell's gone. And you're probably going to not see him on the field unless someone gets injured or Derek Nottie can't play. But it's a good sign that he's at least going to be out there making the active roster to start.
2: Absolutely. And I think that this is pretty concrete, the four dudes that are going to be at defensive line. And when Mike Pannell comes back, that's when it'll get interesting. I would fully expect one of these guys to get cut. And I would fully expect that it's Tershawn Wharton. However, if he shows up and he plays well, maybe keep an eye on Colin Saunders. I know they got a third rounder on him. But my goodness, I, he he's gotta show out. And if and if Tershawn Wharton is looking good, Colin's gotta hold that job.
1: Yeah, I would anticipate they'd probably get creative, honestly. If that if that's the case, I think they still try to keep Colin Saunders around.
2: He's got a shoulder injury all of a sudden, you guys.
1: Yeah, you know, or or they're keeping five D L, which is five uh. defensive line, which is crazy,
0: I know, but if Chris Jones plays outside at all, like he keeps asking for, it makes a little more sense. Asking for it every day, according to Steve Spagnuolo. I'm just
1: saying, then you can have the conversation about it uh, you know, you got to figure out which one of these six defensive ends. That's a good problem to have. Really good. There's intriguing prospects on both fronts, DL and edge. I, it's it's a good problem to have. Uh, I just think it's crazy that we're talking about to Sean I just a good. That's awesome. That's what, you, that's what you want with lottery tickets. This is why you hope you get guys like this with your lottery tickets. All right, the linebacker position, we are going pretty thin here. We're going with five. Four of them are locks. Damien Wilson, Anthony Hitchens, Ben Neiman, Willie Gay Jr. Now, this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Is it Dorian O'Daniel or is it Darius Harris?
2: See, we're going with five because Steve Spagnolo likes to use safeties in the box. He talked about that today. He talked about liking to have versatile safeties like Dan Sorensen that he can kick down in the box because then he doesn't have to use as many linebackers. With that being said... I think that Darius Harris is the guy here. I get that Dorian O'Daniel is a special teamer, and I know that we made that argument with wide receiver six, but I think that's why that they're willing to walk away from Dorian O'Daniel. I think Darius Harris has a little more upside. I think he's more of a Spags linebacker type, and... Dorian O'Daniel, frankly, just is not. He looks good this year. He looks thinner than he did last year. He tried to put on a bunch of weight for Spags. It didn't work. Darius Harris is a bigger guy. He's still a little bit explosive. I think if they're going to groom a guy, they're going to groom a guy that Steve Spagnolo had the opportunity to get eyes on and brought in on his own rather than Dorian O'Daniel, a guy that he was kind of stuck with after, uh, after the 2018 draft.
0: I'm mostly just going to focus on the fact that five linebackers for a 4-3 team does not sound like a lot. But here's kind of why I see it this way. If you look at these five linebackers, you have your starter and you have your backup for every single position within the five. Because Ben Neiman has been used as the dimebacker, as the backup Mike linebacker, currently the starting will... You have him backing up Anthony Hitchens. You have Damian Wilson, Willie Gay playing the same position. So Willie Gay is either the backup or starter there. Damian Wilson can back up Ben Neiman as the will in the base. Like You have with these five, just those four linebackers, really, you have your starter and your backup to all three linebacker positions. The versatility they have with those guys is really high. I think you can get away with a thinner linebacker room as little as the Chiefs actually play three linebackers and just the way these guys are set up. Plus, I don't think deciding between Dorian O'Daniel and Darius Harris is really going to make or break the team. So to keep both of them, like it, I don't see the necessity to keep both those guys who are both depth linebackers arguably shouldn't be on any 53-man roster.
1: Okay, we're going to the cornerback position now. We have five. Making the roster on week one. Bashad Breland suspended does not count against that fifty three man roster. It kind of feels like we have definitive locks at this position though. Charvarius Ward, Rashad Fenton, Lajarius Sneed, Antonio Hamilton, Bo Pete Keys, both rookies making the team. Um, you know, Bo Pete's obviously I think the guy most at risk here, uh, because Hamilton seems like a beloved Dave Toad pet. Um, and he's been shown, he's been playing all over. He's kind of been playing that Kindle Fuller role a little bit. I think everybody else is comfortable. Bo Pete, I think, you know, we know based on post draft, pre- you know, press con- or press conferences that there was a lot of interest in Bo Pete Keys. He's not making it back to the Chiefs practice squad, most likely. Somebody will probably put him on the active roster based on the insights that we have um, publicly. So I think Bo Pete's safe. Uh, he's gotten some love from Dave Tobe on special teams. I think you've got five locks at cornerback.
2: Yeah, I think that's the case as well. I don't think Bo Peet makes it through waivers. The Chiefs had to trade back into round seven to get him. I don't think that you can risk him. I think you lose him if you cut him and try and shove him through waivers. And frankly, that's the only reason why he's on the roster right now. Yeah, he's got to grow a little bit as a as a cornerback. And get, being on the roster, being on the practice squad, six of one, half dozen of the other, he would get to grow in that role. It's just if the Chiefs do like him, which it sounds like they do, they cannot risk him by cutting him. So yeah, these are the five until Bashad Breland comes back.
1: All right, last position, we got safeties. And we got five making the roster again. There's some locks here. You've got Tyron Matthew. Juan Thornhill, Dan Sorensen. I think it's where it gets a little bit tricky after that. Tedrick Thompson. I think pretty comfortable there. He's a guy with a skill set playing deep. He played a lot deep. Um, and you saw him make a nice little play from single eye uh, in that camp. He was going full speed in that, and the ball was thrown at full speed. So there's one rep you can take away there. I think the question is is it, is it Armani Watts or is it Adrian Colbert for that fifth safety spot, Craig?
2: I think both of those guys are good special teamers and that's what kind of kicks this in reason why you can move on from Dorian O'Daniel. I'm going to go with Adrian Colbert just because the chiefs went out of their way to add him and Rodney Clements this off season. They are trying to churn the bottom of that safety room there. I don't think Armani Watts is a lock because of that. Armani Watts is a good special teamer. I think Dave Tobe is going to try and pound the table for him, but if Adrian Colbert, shows well enough. I think that the the defensive staff would prefer to have him and Dave Tobe can get by with Adrian Colbert, so I'm going there.
0: I think Tedrick Thompson, I think we all kind of did a little bit of a 180 on him just from watching the practice and maybe we're looking way too much into one practice. But Tedrick Thompson got a lot of reps out there. He seemed to be somewhat comfortable. He seemed to be getting quite a bit of run out there. It looked like he was looking good. So I think he has secured his spot kind of as that fourth safety as the guy that makes the most sense if Juan Thornhill can't be playing single high, whether he's injured, needs a break. He makes a lot of sense. The Watts or Colbert thing, half dozen of one six of the other. Give me the guy that's slightly bigger that I don't think is as bad of a tackler. So give me Adrian Colbert, just because I think what you're missing is the backup box safety more so than another deep safety. Not that Watts is that. Just the skill set that I'd be looking the most to replace would be Sorensen's, since you already have Tedrick Thompson as the backup. I think Colbert could probably replace him a little bit better, given the size and just the better tackling ability. But it would really come down to who Dave Tobe feels the most comfortable with. Well, and Dave Tobe is going to
1: feel most comfortable with Armani Watts, the guy he's had. <laughs> I think Armani Watts is the guy that makes this roster of the five safeties. Um, it's because of familiarity. I think a lot of these guys, some of this is just preferential treatment for the known commodities. What, you know, Dave Tobe. I think this is why I think Dorian O'Daniel is probably going to make this football team too. Now I will say this. If, if all these guys are what they, they're supposed to be, if, if Antonio Hamilton, if Dorian O'Daniel makes it, if Armani Watts makes it, if all these guys, if Marcus Kent makes it, if all these guys that Dave Tobe thinks so highly of make this football team, the special teams unit better be the number one unit in football.
2: Oh, it will. It will. It,
1: has to, it will be. If all it's these got guys Tommy
2: Townsend on it. What are you talking about? It's already if, the number one unit.
1: If all these guys are what they are, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a top one unit for Dave Tobe. Um, I guess like
0: my big hesitation is they've brought in a lot of guys to add competition to that room. So yeah, yeah, I mean I think without the preseason, with less time, you're probably gonna go with familiarity. But they've brought in a lot of guys that have had special team success elsewhere. And if you're gonna say they're roughly even, maybe maybe one of your actual position coaches gets a little bit of a say.
1: No chance. <laughs> Them short shorts talk real loud, boys. The short shorts are a distraction when they're standing on the table.
2: (laughs) no, 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 no.
1: (laughs) All right. (laughs) Can we get some guesses at who's going to be protected? I believe they could protect four players every week on the practice squad. Who do you think of those guys is going to be the the, the four that they protect? I'll start. I'm going to go, I think, Matt Moore. Uh, I think Nick Allegretti, I think Tim Ward, and I think Damone Harris. Those are the four that I have the Chiefs protecting, uh, to at least week one. How about you, Craig?
2: Uh, at this point, with what we've seen, I'm going to go Matt Moore, I'm going to go Tim Ward, I'm going to go Yaseer Durant, and I'm going to go Jody Fortson to round it out.
0: I am also going to go Matt Moore, Jody Fortson, also with the undrafted rookie offensive lineman, Yasir Durant. And I am going to wrap it up with Tim Ward. I have to think the exact same people Craig did. I put myself last because <laughs> I really wanted to slip Jody Fortson in there because I know I've been, and we had been a little bit less positive on him than some others. But I do think he makes a lot of sense of a guy to protect. And if by some chance you've seen enough and you think he can really impact the team, maybe you lose a guy that actually does play receiver, that doesn't do any special teams work for you, like Sammy Watkins. Maybe you bring him up just in case. I just I think he makes sense to protect right now if he's been as impressive as everybody says he has.
1: I think Tim Ward is actually the guy that you can probably get away with not protecting though, in that scenario. Maybe I just I'm, I was looking at it from trying to keep NFL ready guys. So Damone Harris, Nick Allegretti, Matt Moore. Um, I don't Those are all, those are all guys that I think that she's probably need to prioritize and ensure that they have on their roster. All right. That's kind of our breakdown of the 53 man roster who we think is going to be, uh, there on week one. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to be listening to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast channel. We have so much going on for you. Getting you ready for Chiefs Texans next Thursday. We can't wait. I'm sure you're the same way. We'll be here to help you. Catch you later.